week, and then I'm going to be off the subject for a while, um, talking about overcoming the storms of life. And um, aren't you glad we don't live up north where we have snowstorms? Yeah. Think about that when I think about storms. Yikes. Just don't, don't like all that. I like to visit it, but I don't like being in a storm and stuff. But I'm thankful that we don't have that. But we're going to talk about overcoming the storms of life. And we've just been talking week after week about it. I told you last week it's not a formula, but it's just things that will help us in life and in our walk with God that if we will sow to the Spirit. And these are just things... Uh, and uh, I guess you could say examples of, of how we sow to the Spirit. Because we want to reap from the Spirit of God. We want those seeds to be sown so that's the harvest we reap. So then when a storm comes or a bump in the road or a frustration or something comes our way, we're ready. We're prepared. You know, the Bible calls us soldiers. You know, soldiers are prepared. They're trained and they're prepared. And that's we're soldiers uh, for the Lord. The Bible talks about us, uh, him being our commander. And so uh, we're good soldiers and we're trained and we walk in the things that he shows us. His word is full of training for reigning. Rick Godwin uh, wrote a book a long time ago called Training for Reigning. And that's what we're talking about. Just to, He wants us to reign in life as kings. But, you know, you have to sow into that and you have to feed yourself what God says, because all of the circumstances and all the stuff around is going to try to tell you something different than what the Word says. So that's why it's important to strengthen your spirit man on the Word of God. That's how we feed our spirit is with the Word of God. We feed our natural bodies food, natural food. Well, this is how we feed our spirit, and it strengthens us and prepares us for what the enemy wants to throw our way. But I tell you what, we're going to be ready and we're going to stay on ready, and we're not going to uh, we're not going to let the enemy trip us up or get us off. And you know, more than anything, we have the Holy Spirit to stir us up to remind us Amen. of who we are and what He's given us and what He's doing. And, and so, we're just going to talk a little bit more tonight about it. Uh, and tonight, what I want to talk about, and I've talked about it a little bit before, and I've, I talk about it quite frequently, uh, just in talking to you, is about agreeing with God's word when storms come. And I will tell you that the Lord taught me that. I, I talked about one time when I was sick and having some symptoms in my body and uh, one night. And um, what the Lord spoke to me, he said, stay in agreement with me. And so I, could, I, didn't, I felt sick, you know, the old expression, sick as a dog. I don't know what poor little dogs feel like, but anyway... <laughs> Sick as a dog, but you know you feel crummy. And <clears throat> but when the Lord told me that, you know, just in my weakest feeling, crummiest feeling uh, form and way, I just would say very weakly, "By the stripes that wounded Jesus, I'm healed and made whole." And Lord, that's I agree with you. And he just said, stay in agreement. He didn't say, you've got to feel great. He didn't say, look at the symptoms. Well, when the fever is gone, then you can. No, he just said, stay in agreement. And so I just stayed on, you know, some scriptures, healing scriptures I knew. And I just, and I mean, and I sounded puny and weak because I felt puny and weak and crummy. But, you know, God's word is alive and it's active and it's full of power. And so I stayed in agreement. And that's what we're talking about tonight. 
staying in agreement with God's word when storms come against our bodies, against our lives, our families, our jobs, our finances, however the attack comes, what does God say about this? What does he say about me? When this has come at me, whether it's a physical attack or a financial one or a mental one, what does he say in his word? And, you know, I encourage you. You know, you don't have to know the whole Bible. I mean, and honestly, there are so many helps these days to where, you know, go on your phone and put in a word. And there's all these scriptures that will come up for you on that very subject. I mean, you don't even have to open your Bible. I encourage you to because to me there's nothing like it. I personally don't like looking at it on my phone. <laughs> I, like, I like turning those pages. But you know what? Uh, I like books, so I want to turn those pages. I want to be able to underline in there. I know you can highlight and do that stuff. I don't know, but anyway, I like a book. But my point is, we have every avenue and every help to be able to write down and commit into our hearts what God says about us. And if we'll do that and take the time to just, as the Bible says in Psalm 119, to hide his word in our heart, I tell you what, that's what will come up. God will bring it to our remembrance. Honestly, I've never been a real good Bible memorizer. When I try to memorize it, it's just like my brain goes, but when I hide it in my heart through revelation and God just speaking it to me, it comes up out of me. And I can't, might not can tell you every verse and everything, but the intent of the word and the parts of the scripture come back up because I've hidden it in my heart. And when I see it when I've read it and I'm not saying me I'm just you know when I was a new Christian somebody stood up and taught me and they taught me very simple things that helped me in my life and put me through and I didn't think well what about you you know I just thought hey that is great so I just stand here before you it's just uh uh just someone who has learned some principles godly spiritual principles in my life through others teaching me that have helped put me over, have helped me uh, go through things to the other side and not to just go under. You know, the enemy wants to bury us. But the Lord said, when the fire comes, you'll not be burned. And though those rivers come, they're not going to overflow you. You know, that's just something else. So see, it might look like a big old flood and it didn't. The Bible doesn't say they won't come, but they're not going to overflow you. They're not going to drown you. The enemy will tell you they are, but you've got to stand up in God and say, no, they're not. Amen. No, they're not. So I'm talking about agreeing with God's word. And I encourage you that when you open your word by your phone or whatever, write down scriptures that speak to you, that minister to you, that bring hope and encouragement to you, or that you say, that's a great healing scripture. I'm going to write that one down because I might need that one day if the enemy attacks me. You know, I encourage you to do that. You just have them or put them in your phone. I don't know how to do all that stuff, but notes or stuff in your phone. I don't know, wherever you get it, but hide it and meditate on it. Just think about it so that it's planted and it can grow in your heart. And that's what will be stronger than the storm that comes against you because you're already agreeing in an agreement with God. You know, I saw, I don't know if anybody in here watches Sid Roth. I like him. I watch his show sometime. Yeah, Ronnie does. We talk about stuff we see on there. But Carly Terradez was on today. Did you see her, Ronnie? Carly Terradez. Okay, she and Ashley Terradez, uh, we've shown their healing um, 
testimony about their little girl, how she was uh, on a feeding tube, and it just just a, a miraculous uh, testimony of of, uh, of God's healing. They went to Andrew Womack. Uh, they live in, lived at that time in in England and went to an Andrew Womack conference. Just got a hold of one of his tapes and. Just happened the next day, he was having a conference one day, and they went to it, and he prayed for her. And the little girl was healed. The little girl was, they were literally just keeping her alive with a feeding tube. It wasn't really causing her to grow. But anyway, and then she talked about, she talked about another testimony. I didn't know this about her. Maybe you had heard it, Ronnie, but how uh, Carly, the little girl's mother, had been an epileptic and had several seizures throughout uh, the day and was on 13 medications and she began to get a revelation of God's word about flipping the switch and you know flipping on your faith and turning on who God says and agreeing with him and how she just began to walk in that and say what God said and she came off every one of those medications she was totally healed by agreeing with God's word and speaking God's word no more the doctors didn't do it. The medication didn't do it. Her in agreement with God's word and turning to what God said instead of what circumstances said and symptoms said and doctors said and medicine said. And she just began to make that turn and agree with God. It was just a powerful testimony to the power of the word of God. The enemy doesn't want you to know that. He didn't, number one, he didn't want you to know it. Number two, he didn't want you to believe it. And number three, he sure doesn't want you to activate it in your life. He didn't want you to step out on what God says. But hey, God does. And it is so simple. But the enemy will resist you. But you know what? Resist the devil and he will flee. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. God watches over his word to perform it. It's his word that does it in you. His word does the work in you. We are here. We are saved by hearing the word of God. We're saved by hearing the gospel. When storms or adverse circumstances come, do you just dwell on the circumstances and just say, oh no, they said this, or they, they said that, or oh no, this is what it looks like it's going to be. And You ever hear people say all the time these days, well, it is what it is. Well, no, it isn't. <laughs> I don't like that saying. Uh-uh. Not if it's causing something contrary in my life. I don't care what it looks like it is. I'm going to stand up in the name of Jesus and his power and resist it in Jesus' name. But when circumstances and things come, do you say what the circumstances are saying and just begin to repeat what all the negative stuff's going on? Or do you say what the word says? Do you begin to counter it with what God says? Uh, Somebody said something to me the other day. They had they had kind of made a mistake and and just did something they wish they hadn't done, and I said, well, I tell you one thing: though you fall, you shall arise. You might fall, but you're going to arise. Get up, get up. Let God help you up. Doesn't mean we won't ever fall. It doesn't mean we won't ever make a mistake, do something dumb, say something stupid, or just think stuff we wished we had. What all of that? But though you fall, you shall arise. Get a hold of the word. Don't let the enemy beat you to a blooming pulp. Here's the real battle. Some people think 
They think, well, if I say what the word says, because people will say, because you ask me, well, I'm healed by the stripes that wounded Jesus. And you may look sick as a dog. And some people think, well, I'm lying if I say what the word says. If I agree with the word, well, then I'll be lying. But, you know, it all depends upon what you call truth. Yes. What is truth to you? Does God's truth trump the world's truth, if you will, or the world's facts? You know, the Lord asked me the other day, had a doctor give me a report, and God had given me a scripture about it to answer what he had said. And, and you know, the enemy is trying to get me to think on it and kind of dwell on negative. And the Lord said, is his word greater than my word? It's not. It is not. You know, well, anyway, it's not. It's not. <laughs> And you got to decide that. You know, if you call the circumstances of the world a greater truth than God's word, then in your own perspective, it would be lying. But if you get a revelation that God's word is greater than all circumstances, and that his word will remain when the whole world is burned up, then you've got it and you know it. Lock into the word. You've got to lock in. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. He said he exalts his word above his name. Yes. That's Matthew twenty four thirty five. that his word will not pass away. When you understand the permanency of the word, then you'll understand that when you're saying what the word says, you're not lying are denying you're telling the truth you're speaking the truth you're saying what god says the lord says to call things that be not as though they were he said the things that you can see are temporary and he uses abraham as an example he called things that be not as though they were it says that god gives life to the dead things something might look dead as a doornail around you like no hope no way how can this happen but you need to speak life toby max says God says, speak life. Speak life into it. It's so blooming simple. Uh, Remember the servant that, I don't know, go dip it. Go dip in that river. Go dip in it. Say, that old dirty river. Give me something hard. God says, agree with me. Speak with me. Look, I've given you everything you need. I've already given you. Andrew Walmack this week's teaching on you've already got it. He's already put in it. He's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. It's already in us. We're not trying to get it from here out in. He's already in us. Healing. Everything we need is on the inside because he's in us. Our part is to release it into manifestation just through faith, through simple, simple. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You're my healer. Thank you for manifesting healing in my body. I receive it right now. It's mine. Thank you, Lord. You're speaking the truth. As long as you speak your feelings, that's the way it's going to be. But if you'll speak God's word, it'll lift you up to be what it says. It'll lift you up into that place. You have to keep looking at the mirror of the word. I talked about the word being a mirror in James last week. We talked about beholding in the mirror. And his word is a mirror to us. And it reveals to us who we are. 
in Christ and what he's done and what he's given us. Kenneth Hagin has the same testimony. He was uh, a teenager and he was dying from, from heart failure on his bed of sickness, as he says, and how he got the revelation of speaking to the mountain, of saying, you know, he was praying. He was a believer. He was a young man. He was a teenager. But he could, he was so weak on his, as he says, bed of affliction, he could barely turn the pages of his Bible. He was so sick. But he came upon the scripture in Mark eleven twenty three, how if you'll say unto this mountain, if you'll say. And you know what? He got a hold of it. And he began to say. Into his mountain, and God healed him, raised him up off that blood of affliction, and he lived on to do great things for God with the Bible School Raymond Training Center and just the Word of Faith. I mean, wow! But you know what it came from? You know what that turnaround came? He wasn't a Bible student. He was reading his Bible, praying, asking God to heal him. And God gave him that revelation. I tell you, if you'll get in the word, God will give you revelations and understanding and show you things where he thought he was trying to get it. And God's saying, here it is. Just agree with me. Just say. God will show us things. He, he didn't want you to stay bound. He came that you might be freed. He came to set the captive free. He didn't want us to be captive to anything. Not one thing. And he's paid the price. He said he's given us power and authority over all the power that the enemy possesses. He's given that to you as believers. You believe that? Yes. You have to exercise it. That means you've got to resist the devil. Why don't you just jangle those keys at him? And say, mm-mm. No, you're not. And he's going to try you. And try to make you think that he's more powerful, make your body hurt a little bit more, make your finances look a little worse, or make your kids act a little worse. But you just dangle those keys and say, "Mm mm-mm, God's given me power and authority over you, and you have to bow to him. And I'm speaking it. I'm enforcing that authority over you. In Jesus' name. I tell you what, he's called us out of darkness. And your kids trying to run around in darkness, uh uh-uh. I always tell people, I say... You know, there's a scripture that says, uh, who was he speaking to? Was it Cornelius? I can't remember. He said, you and your whole household will be saved. And remember Rahab on the wall? Everybody in that family didn't hide, did not hide the spies. It was only Rahab that hid the spies when they came into Jericho, you know, before they came in. But remember she said, but when, when you come back, remember me and my house. And she hung that scarlet cord. So you know what? She and her whole household were saved, although she was the only one that hid the spies. But I tell you what, believe for your family. Don't take it when your family's trying to run around. And I have an extended, me and my whole household, it's very extended. <laughs> it's all my family, you know. Don't take that from the enemy. But, you know, we got to line up. This is a powerful weapon yes. God has given us. Yes. You know, he gives us the sword of the spirit. What is the sword of the spirit? the word of God and he tells us to put it in our mouth and to speak it and when we speak it it's like him speaking it and we're not saying we're something he says we're something this is what he's made us and this is what we're to do look at that what he told Joshua y'all march around here and then on the seventh day then I want y'all to shout I mean you know 
They had to use their mouth. And those walls came down at that shout. But they walked around at six, six days in faith. And then they shouted, just let God speak to you. He will give you the way through. He will show you what he wants you to do. If there's something. He may just say, just rest in me. You don't need to. You just stay in agreement. I got this. I tell you what. But as long as you speak your feelings, that's the way it's going to be. But if you'll speak the word, God will lift you up and make you what you ought to be. You have to keep looking in the mirror of the word, though. And again, that's why in Joshua 1.8, the Lord told Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your your mouth. What did he tell him that far? He wanted that word in Joshua's mouth. In his mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night. So he not only spoke it, but he meditated on it. He thought on it. You know, they were facing giants. They were facing giants. He had to think on what God said. He had to remember that God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Just be strong and courageous. I'm with you. I've given you this land. He had to meditate on what God told him. Or when he got in that land, he'd have been like the other ten spies. Meditate on what the word of God says about you. I have the mind of Christ. I have the wisdom of God. Christ dwells in me. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. As you speak the word, the reality of it will begin to take place in you. Whether it be in healing, uh, physically, emotionally, whether it be financially, God will show you. He has ways of victory for us. Some of us said, well, well, I I said three times what God said. I I said it. I agreed. I kind of looked. I did that for a little while, but... I I said all my needs were met because he's my provider. But you know, nothing happened. I'm just giving up on this. I'm agreeing with God. Well, you know what? (laughs) There's more to it than just saying it for a little while. I'm talking about committing your heart to the word of God and becoming locked into it. That you're as committed to, to his word as you are to him as your savior. You can't separate them. He's the word made flesh. Take the attitude. If it doesn't work for anyone else in the entire world, it's going to work for me. Because it does, though. Because God is faithful and he's true to his word. And, you know, I'm not basing my faith on the word's fulfillment in any other person's life. It's on my life and what I do. People will say, well, I know so-and-so, and and they were a good Christian, and they believe the word, but that didn't happen for them. Well, you know what? I don't know why things happen or don't happen. But as for me in my house, as for me, I'm going to believe the word. I'm going to agree with God, and I'm going to stay on course with him. Do I do it perfectly? No. Am I a super whatever? No, I'm not. Am I human and feel things and fall and get up and mess up and go? Yes. But I tell you what, I know him, and I know he's true to his word. And if I won't let the enemy get me off, I'm going to see it through to the other side. And, you know, it doesn't mean I determine what everything is. It just means I'm trusting him, and I'm going to agree with what he says. 
If he says I'm healed, then that's what I say about me. That's what I say. If he says that I, that, that I have more than enough through him, then I have more than enough through him. I'm not going to look at what, go, oh, I don't know, hope we're going to make it. You know? That's not agreeing with him. We are not anyone's judge, and we don't know the situation that people are in. Or, but we do know this. We do know that God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man, that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? That's Numbers 23, 19. You know, when Joshua and them stepped out into that promised land, and all those giants were there, you think they had to know that God would make it good? Yes. When they stepped out? They're stepping out on what God said, just like you do. Same opportunity to step out on what God said. That's what they stepped out on. They didn't step out on big uh, weapons. David didn't step out on a big weapon. He stepped out on who his God is. And that's what we step out on. Who our God is and what he said. And why do you think it would be any different for you, New Testament, New Covenant believers, than it was for the Old Testament, Old Covenant believer? It would be, what do we have? We have a better covenant the bible says we have a better covenant with god even than they did and look what god was able to do through them in the old covenant how much more you in your life and not only that but through you to other people's lives as well we've got to get to the point where we just say the word is true and it will work in me and god watches over his word to perform it the bible says It's important to agree with God's word. And it's also important to keep your tongue from speaking evil. And when Joshua and them went into the land, the 12 spies went in and the 10 began to say, Ah, there's giants and I don't think we're able to do this and I don't think we can. The Bible calls that an evil report. An evil report is a report of doubt and unbelief is what evil is, speaking evil. And so it's important to not only agree with God, but to tell your tongue you are not going to speak doubt and unbelief. You know why? Because it will rob you of your own faith. It will begin to. And you know who you're agreeing with when you do it? It's not God. It's the enemy. Something else that's helpful to get you through your storms is to let go of those things that are behind Isaiah 43:18 says, "Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old." You know, when we we don't do everything perfect, we're learning to follow God, we're learning to follow the Holy Spirit, we're learning to listen, we're learning to quiet ourselves, we're learning to not let life distract us so much. We're all learning. I don't care how long you've walked with God or what a short time. We're all learning, and we all make mistakes, or we all do something, oh, that was God, and he's trying to tell me, and I didn't listen. You know, we all do that. But you know what? You can't stay there, and you can't dwell on your mistakes, because then that's where you'll stay. You know, if you were a baseball player, and say you were a shortstop, my granddaughters play uh, softball, so I see them play, and 
say a ground ball came your way and, and, and you missed, you, you got the ball, but you missed the throw to first base. If you stay and you dwell on that and you just keep kicking the ground and you're all mad, don't you see that? Don't y'all see that with sports players sometimes? It's like they can't get past the mistake they just made. You know, they just can't let it go. They can't just get up. You can still see it on their face. And, and you know what? You see that they don't continue in the game very well because you can still see they're so bothered by the mistake they made. And, you know, God wants us to get up. Yes. You know, if it's sin, if it's something that you have sinned, then, you know, he has paid for our sins, past, present, and future, and we're forgiven. But when you sin, say, Father... I know you've forgiven me. I receive that forgiveness afresh, and I just repent. I don't want to go that way. Help me, Lord. You know, but then receive from him fresh forgiveness, and then get up. He's not beating you over the head. Get up and let him help you. The worst thing you can do is worry about your mistakes, especially like the baseball player. Worry about those errors. You know why? Because another ball is coming. There's another one coming. If your mind's on the last mistake, you'll never be able to handle the next situation. There's a situation, this is a long time ago, in a 1990 College World Series. And there was an outstanding third baseman who had the lowest error percentage of all the third basemen in the whole nation. But he committed three errors right in a row. And they had to pull him from the game. You know why? Because he couldn't get over those errors. He couldn't get his mind off of those errors. And he kept making the same mistake. He couldn't pull up from it. You know, that's the enemy. Because he wants us to stay focused on stuff we've done or we've said or bad actions or whatever it is. He wants us to dwell on that to keep us there. But you've got to let it go to God. Turn it over to him. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his release. And if you need to forgive somebody else, do it. Yes. Release them. Forgive them. Let it go, the Bible says. Let it drop and get up and move on so God can work through you and speak to you and help you. You know, we can't always explain why something does or doesn't happen, but one thing we can do is ask for the grace of God. To help us forget about it and to leave it with him. And you know, when the enemy tries to bring junk up, just say, Father, just give me the grace to just put that under the blood once again, because that's where it is, and leave it there. Help me to leave it there, Father. And devil, that's under the blood. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. God has forgotten it. I forget it. And if he tries to... One thing Carly Teradale said today, she said, you know, thoughts will come... And they'll circle, but we don't have to let them land. We don't have to let them land in our hearts and our minds. We don't have to let them make us dwell on them. The enemy wants to plant that. We just have to leave it with God. You know what? And I've done this. Forgive yourself. Release yourself. Let yourself go. If you've made mistakes or you've done things you wish you hadn't, just forgive yourself. God forgives you. You know, there are other situations, other circumstances, and other storms that you're going to have to face. And you need to keep the eyes of your heart focused on what God says 
on him and his word, not on the past and past mistakes. You have to just, sometimes you just got to turn your heart. Remember how the Bible says that Jesus said, said he set his face like flint? <laughs> he, he set his face like flint toward Jerusalem. You know, I bet he did have to set his face. Spent a lot of time in prayer with his father because he had a task before him. He had a mission before him. None of us have that, but we still have things that we have to set our face toward him so that we can move forward in those things and God helping us will take us through when storms come that we just set our face like flint toward God and say, Lord, I thank you. You're going to take me through this. You're going to take my family through. I thank you. You're going to help me through this. Keep your heart focused on God and his word. James 1.25 says, But all those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty. That's the word of God. When you set your gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, when you do that, you're fascinated by it. That means to be fascinated by it means that you're gripped by it. So when you set your face, your gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, you are gripped by it. And you respond to the truth that they hear, and you're strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all they do. That's James chapter 125 in the Passion Translation. When you gaze deeply into the Word of God, you're gripped by it, and then you respond to the truth that you hear, and you're strengthened by it. And then you experience God's blessing in all you do. But it starts by gazing deeply into his word so that you can know that truth. You can respond and be strengthened in your life and then experience those blessings. You see what God has for you? Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Just God speaking to you when you just gaze in there and what he does. It's so beautiful. He wants you to experience his blessing in everything you do. Everything you do. He doesn't want you to struggle. He wants you to experience his blessing in everything you do. God's word will perfect us and liberate us as we immerse ourselves in his word and respond in faith to the truth that we hear. We'll experience God's blessing And we'll overcome the storms of life as we gaze deeply into his word and we respond to it in faith. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word, for your truth. There's a Bible verse that says that I found your words and I ate them. (laughs) For they were uh, life to me. Another one says that I found your words. They were not just a trifle, a small thing to me. God, your word is life to us. Jesus is the word made flesh. When you created, you spoke. You used words. And you're telling us to do the same thing today, to speak your word, to create, to establish There's a scripture that says that you'll declare and decree a thing and you'll establish it for us. 
Thank you for your words. Thank you for faith. Thank you for trusting you in your ways, Father, in the hearts of your people tonight. I thank you that it shall be established and grow and that they will grow in these things, Father, that we've heard from you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Any prayer?